Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Well, I tell you what will tide you over. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast special presentation of the first made-for-podcast Christmas movie, A Bomb for Christmas. Interior, house, living room, night. As the opening credits roll to the tune of Deck the Halls, the camera slowly pans across a living room covered in cheap but cute decorations. A fire is crackling in the fireplace, and the lights are twinkling on the tree. As the credits come to an end, the camera stops on the front door. All of a sudden, the door is kicked open! Seattle PD, nobody move. Detective Holly McTiernan bursts through the door, gun drawn, eyes fiercely scanning the room, a look of steely determination on her face. This lady means business and looks an awful lot like Danica McKellar. Front room, clear. As Holly enters one of the adjoining rooms, we see her partner Tracy enter behind her. Gun also drawn, though she too has a determined look. Her eyes betray a hint of nervousness. Tracy, come in here. It's worse than I thought. Interior, house, living room, night. As Tracy enters, Holly holsters her gun. The two officers stare at a table covered with empty beakers, test tubes, papers with foreign writing, and electronics. What is all this? Looks to me like they built a bomb. You can tell that from this mess? I trace these stolen chemicals to this address. The lab boys say that if combined together correctly, they could make a bomb capable of destroying a small building. What about all these wires? I'm guessing that's some sort of detonation mechanism, but that's not Terrapelli style. He knows how to build bombs, but he's not a tech guy. You think he had help? I think he's working for someone. The question is, who? The sound of glass breaking causes both officers to whirl around. Through the living room window, they see Larry Terrapelli falling down after leaping out of the second story window. Holly runs towards the window. You didn't clear the second floor? I, I I didn't have a chance before you called me in. Wait, what are you doing? Holly smashes through the living room window and takes off running after Larry. Freeze! Exterior, Seattle neighborhood night. Holly chases Larry through the neighborhood, past yard after yard of beautiful Christmas displays. Larry turns and fires at Holly, who ducks behind a giant Rudolph before the bullet takes off his nose. You blew off Rudolph's nose? Now you've gone too far. Holly continues chasing down Larry. Exterior, outside the Terrapelli house, night. Tracy runs to the car and gets in. Interior, Holly's car, night. Tracy starts the car and peels out after Holly and Larry. She grabs the radio. This is Detective Chabert. I'm on 12th Avenue, headed southbound. Partner is on foot in pursuit of suspect. Exterior, neighborhood, night. Holly relentlessly chases Larry through more festive yards. Give it up, Terrapelli. Larry turns the corner, and when Holly follows, he has disappeared in a yard filled with many Christmas inflatables. Holly takes in the surroundings, scanning for Larry. Come on, Terrapelli. This is no way to spend Christmas. Why don't you play nice? Come down to the station. We'll get you some eggnog. You'll tell me all about that bomb you were building. The camera looks at all the different inflatables. No sign of Larry. Come on. Just play my reindeer games and tell me who hired you to make that thing. Holly sees a flutter of movement out of the corner of her eye. She turns and jumps at a Grinch inflatable, tackling Larry on the other side. The two have a fight, but it soon becomes clear that Larry is seriously outmatched, and he is quickly overpowered and thrown to the ground. Holly puts the cuffs on him as Tracy pulls up in the car. I guess it turns out I'm the Grinch, because I just stole your Christmas. Interior, police station office, night. The office is bustling with officers doing paperwork, making phone calls, etc. Holly's phone rings. She pulls it out of her pocket, looks, doesn't recognize the number, and answers. Hello? Interior, festival office, night. Bobby McTiernan is in an office with plans for a Christmas festival all around him. He is packing things up in his own special, non-threateningly handsome way. Hey, babe. Bobby? Where are you 
calling from? They gave me a little office space at the Christmas festival so I could help with the last minute planning. Christmas festival? Really, Holly? It's only Port Codwell's biggest event of the year. I mean, yes, I know about the festival, but why are you part of planning it? I told you, the sports bar is the main sponsor this year. <laughs> Do you even listen when we talk anymore? I'm sorry, honey. I don't remember any of this. I've been really focused on a big case here. It's fine. I can retell you all about it over dinner. Are you on the ferry yet? What? Don't tell me you're still at the station. It's Tuesday night. Aren't we going to meet for dinner? Babe, I can't. I just apprehended a suspect, and I'm going to be interrogating him for the next few hours. So, you're canceling on me again? Look, I'm sorry, but this guy is bad news, and I think he's just the tip of the iceberg. I know, I know. I just wish the bad guys didn't spend more time with you than I do. Hey, Polly. Tirapelli is in interrogation room three. Thanks. Uh, honey, I, I, I gotta go. I'll call you later. The phone call disconnects before Bobby has a chance to say... <sighs> I love you. Bobby stuffs some paper in a folder labeled Seattle and takes a folder off the desk revealing a paper with Russian writing on it. Bobby does a double take, grabs the paper, crumples it up, and throws it in the trash. Interior. Interrogation room three, night. Larry is sitting handcuffed to the table, looking bored and unimpressed. Holly enters, holding a stack of manila folders and reading one as she enters. She closes the folder and drops them with a thud on the table as she sits down. Larry, Larry, Larry. It's a shame we have to keep meeting like what can I say? You fill my heart with Christmas spirit. Really? Because it seems to me you're working awful hard at staying on the naughty list again this year. I don't know what you mean. Uh-huh. What were you making? Making? We found your little arts and craft table in the spare room. Taking up a new hobby? Hmm? Oh, I'm helping Santa by making toys. I guess the North Pole got a little behind and had to punt this year. Oh, so this note we found. This is some kid's wish list to Santa? How should I know? I don't speak Russian. I don't speak Russian either, but we got a guy who does, and he's going to translate this for us, and what do you think it's going to say? I wouldn't have the first clue, officer. Detective. Well, if you're the big fancy detective, why don't you figure it out? Oh, I'm pretty sure I did figure it out. See, we've got you on the camera breaking into the Nakatomi chemical plant, and we have a list of the things you stole. Now, you may not want to tell me what you were planning on making with all that stuff, but it definitely ain't a batch of grandma's snickerdoodles. But let me be real with you, Tirapelli. You're pretty insignificant. I don't really care about you, because there's no way a simpleton like you came up with this plan. I just want to know who's really behind this. Who hired you to build that bomb? What bomb? The bomb you made with those chemicals you stole. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you find a bomb in my house? We found your workstation. Maybe I was just making some fireworks for a Christmas festival. With stolen chemicals? Who says they were stolen? We have you on camera. Are you sure that was me? I have one of those faces. A lot of people say I look like an actor from one of those Hallmark movies. Enough! Where is the bomb? Detective, you seem to be getting upset. Who hired you to make it? I have no idea what you're talking about. What's the target? Suddenly, the door to the interrogation room opens and Captain Willis enters, a large bald man who is constantly weary and grumpy. Detective McTiernan, can I see you for a second? I'll be finished here in a second, Captain. You're finished now, Detective. Uh-oh. Guess our lovely little chat is over. Yeah, too bad for you. Talking to me was your best shot at a lighter sentence. Now you'll get everything that's coming to you. 
Oh, everyone gets what's coming to them on Christmas Eve. Well, it'll be kind of hard for Santa to find you when you're locked in a cell, but don't worry. I'm sure you were just getting coal anyway. Holly and the captain exit while Larry sits there looking irritated. Interior, captain's office, night. Captain and Holly enter. Holly is clearly frustrated. Why'd you pull me out of there? I almost had him. You were losing control. No, I wasn't. I wanted him to think I was losing it. You were screaming at him. It's part of the act. You know, good cop, bad cop. So who was the good cop? I'm the good cop. But you were clearly the bad cop. Yeah, I switched back and forth to throw him off balance. You can't be the good cop and the bad cop. The whole point is to... You know what? We're not having this argument right now. Great. So can I get back in there? Not a chance. We've received about a dozen phone calls tonight about a crazy woman running through people's front yards and ruining their Christmas displays. You need me to solve this one? It's probably just some idiot kids. It was you, Detective. What? You were so intent on taking down Tirapelli that you probably caught thousands of dollars in property damage. He built a bomb, Captain, and now it's in the wind. I gotta find it before something horrible happens. Correction. The FBI has got to find it. You've got to take a couple days off. I don't need any time off, Captain. It wasn't a request, Detective. With all due respect, Captain, I'm one of the best detectives in this precinct, and you cannot afford to sideline me while there's a bomb on the loose. The instant the bomb was unaccounted for, I brought Homeland Security in. You gotta be kidding. Detective Holly, you are not only one of the best detectives in this precinct, you're one of the finest peace officers I've ever worked with. But you push yourself too hard, and you will burn yourself out. I'm fine, Captain. Oh, really? You're the first one in here every morning and the last one to leave at night. When was the last time you spent time with your husband? I don't know if that's any of your business, sir. That long, huh? We just talked on the phone less than an hour ago. Talked on the phone? No. Come here. Look around this office. See how merry it looks because so many desks are decorated for Christmas? I guess. Look, Santiago's desk is covered with stuffed reindeer and snowmen. Murtaugh has those lights. Wickham has all those snow globes. And actually, that might be an unhealthy amount of snow globes. What's the point, sir? Look at your desk. Just stacks of files and a half-eaten donut that I'm pretty sure is from last Christmas. It's not that old. The captain gives Holly a quizzical look. Fine. It's from the Thanksgiving potluck we had last month. What's the big deal? The big deal is you're great at your job, but you are more than your job. There's always going to be another crime to solve, but there's only going to be one Christmas this year. This feels like a really weird position for my boss to take. You want me to be worse at my job? Not worse. Look, I'm talking to you as a friend. You need to get a little more balance in your life. But I'm also talking to you as your boss, because selfishly... I would like to have my best detective around for a long time to come. But that's not going to happen if she burns herself out early. (sighs) So please, it's Christmas. Take some of those days off you never use and spend some time at home in Port Caldwell. Maybe help Bobby with the festival. Wait, you knew Bobby was helping organize the festival? Of course, it's the biggest event in Port Caldwell. I literally just found out earlier tonight. And there's my point. Merry Christmas, Holly. Go home. End Act 1. Cut to commercial. Thank you for tuning in to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast production of A Bomb for Christmas. But did you know that Can't Wait for Christmas is a year-round podcast that celebrates the fun, food, films, and fa-la-las of Christmas all year long? Tune in on the 25th of each month at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com or wherever you downloaded this. And now, back to our feature presentation. Interior. Holly's Bedroom. Morning. 
Holly gets out of bed and looks out the window. We see the charming small town of Port Caldwell, all decked out for Christmas, including street signs that say Christmas Eve Festival with special guests for the tree lighting. Holly grabs her phone and dials. Tracy, it's Holly. What time is it? No idea. Look, I won't be coming in for a few days. <laughs> yeah, the captain told us you were taking a few days off for Christmas. I bet he didn't mention it was because he made me. He didn't have to. We knew you'd never do it voluntarily. What? Holly, you're a great partner, but you never take time for yourself. Speaking of which, I need your help, partner. <laughs> of course. What's up? I need you to get me the translation of the note we found at Tirapelli's house last night. What? Even if you weren't on vacation, we turned the investigation over to the FBI. We weren't too long on this to just hand it over. Holly, how am I supposed to get access? It's not our case anymore. You're a smart gal. I know you'll find a way. <sighs> okay, but you owe me one. I'll just subtract it from one of the many you owe me. Touché. Holly hangs up just as Bobby enters. Well, look who's up. Morning. Well, someone has a case of the Baham bugs. No, someone had their case ripped out of her hand and is now on a forced vacation. Well, fortunately, the cure is the same for both. Cure, huh? Coffee and a Christmas cookie down at Betty's. I mean, I don't know about a cure, but I never say no to Betty's coffee. Meet you downstairs. Interior, Betty's coffee shop, day. Holly and Bobby enter and Betty looks up from behind the counter. Betty is a super cute, sweet, older, but not old, lady. The kind of lady who easily could have played a mom in a 90s sitcom. Holly? Good to see you. It's been too long. Hey, Betty. The place looks great. Oh, thank you. Have to look our best with all the folks coming in for the festival tomorrow. Speaking of which, Bobby, how many sign-ups do we have for the gingerbread house-making contest tomorrow? Quite a few. I hope you're prepared to be a fair judge. Oh, I'm tough but fair. I've made my share of gingerbread houses in my day. I know what makes a truly great one. That's good. We're all counting on you. And I won't let you down. Now, what can I get you? A couple of eggnog lattes and some Christmas cookies? Oh, you don't have to go through all that. Just a coffee with a little cream is fine. Oh, come now, Holly. You've been drinking office coffee too long. Here, try our eggnog latte, and if you don't love it, I'll get you your boring old coffee. Betty hands cups to Holly and Bobby that were somehow ready within two seconds of being mentioned. Holly reluctantly takes a sip. Then her eyes brighten. <laughs> wow. If there's one thing I know, it's Christmas coffee. I shall never doubt you again, Betty. A tiny bell rings as someone enters the coffee shop. It's George, an older but still crazy handsome man with salt and pepper hair and a corduroy jacket. He sees Bobby and rushes over. There he is. Just the man I was looking for. Hey, George. I've got to hand it to you, Bobby. You really pulled off a Christmas miracle. I don't know about all that. You bought our hometown hero home for Christmas. It's awfully sweet of you, George, but I hardly think I'm the hometown hero. No. Hi, Holly. Haven't seen you in a while. Did crime finally take a holiday? <laughs> uh, no, crime didn't, but I did. Why don't we scoot on over so you can get your order in? Ah, thank you. Day hasn't really started until I've had my eggnog latte. Was that as awkward as it felt? Only to you and me, and anyone within earshot of this conversation. Oh, good. 
I was worried for a second there. George steps over to them, latte in hand. I still don't know how you pulled it off. All will be revealed at the tree lighting. Wait, so what's going on? Who is this hometown hero? He didn't tell you. Bobby convinced Joe McCringleberry to come back to do our tree lighting. Why does that name sound familiar? Sound familiar? (laughs) He's only the best kicker in pro football. Right. He plays for Seattle. He made that big play last year. A 61-yard field goal that got them into the playoffs. That's the one. And tomorrow, he's coming back home. Back home? Yes. He was born and raised right here. Graduated from Port Caldwell High School. This town's not big enough for me not to remember this guy. I think you were at the academy by the time he was leading our team to the state championships. Then he got snapped up by some Big Ten college and hasn't been back to Port Caldwell since. This is going to be huge. However did you convince him to come back? Well, he and I are getting into a little business venture. Wait, what? Like I said, all will be revealed at the tree lighting. Betty walks by to clear some dishes off the table that they're standing next to. George, you're the head of the Christmas festival. Can you tell me why there's so much more security this year? Well, I I can't get into specifics, but we have a special guest for the tree lighting this year. Special guest? What about the children? Well, what about the children? It's a tradition that every year, the choir from Rhododendron Elementary School sings as we light the tree. Don't worry, Betty. The kids are still going to sing. Our special guest will simply be the one who introduces them, lights the tree, and stays to take the photos of the crowd afterward. Well, they better not upstage those kids. It's my favorite part of the whole day. And now, with all those security checkpoints, I worry this year's festival may be straying too far from our beloved tradition. It's going to be the same festival we all grown up with, only even more fun. Look, here comes my head of security now. Alana enters. She's a tall, muscular woman with a look that says, I mean business. She sees the group and walks over. Bobby, George, I'm glad I found you both. Betty, Holly, this is Alana. Uh, She's head of security for the festival this year. Nice to meet you. Likewise. And I'm sure you're amazing at what you do. But we've never had security at the festival before. Sure we have, Betty. In fact, I worked festival security all through high school. We just didn't have much of a budget for it back in the day. Nice to see it's been kicked up a notch. Holly, as in Bobby's wife, the police detective from Seattle? The one and only. Bobby talks a lot about you, but we've never seen you. I was beginning to think you were only a legend. I don't mind being referred to as a legend. It's almost as good a title as hometown hero. Now why would you bring that up again? Sometimes you just gotta steer into it. So, Bobby, George, I came to tell you, the star for the tree arrived. Finally! Wait! Won't we use the star we've been using all these years? Now we've got a new one that actually lights up and has all these amazing lighting effects. It was uh, Bobby's idea, actually. I just thought it would be good to add a lighted star to the tree. Alana actually found this one for us. I just happened to know a place just a quick ferry ride away that makes cool things like this. But what about the old star? Don't tell me you just threw it in the trash. No, of course not. That thing is gorgeous. Such exquisite detail for a treetopper that size. We put it in a pexiglass case in the Christmas marketplace. Now it's at ground level and everyone can see it up close. You might even get more out of it than when it was way up on top of the tree. Well, that does sound lovely. I'll have to go see that for myself. 
Betsy takes her tray of empty cups and plates and goes to the back. See, this is why I'm so glad you're helping us this year. You're a natural at this. Well, I figure the sports bar is by the fairgrounds where all the action is anyway. You might as well officially be part of the festival. Well, thank you for making my job so easy this year. Speaking of jobs, we've got to get that star on top of the tree. We've got most of our people putting up new banners. Should we wait until they're done with that or call some of them back now? Actually, the guys on my team could handle it. Really? That's not exactly in the security details job description. And you guys already helped so much with setting up the lights for the tree. They don't mind. It's not like we have a lot to do until you-know-who arrives. George's phone rings. He turns away to answer it. Well, that would be a great help. Thanks. Speaking of help, the DJ can't find where he's supposed to set up for the Ugly Sweater fashion show. Just sent him an email yesterday. Well, he's over at the stage now, and he wants to know where to set up. Ugh. Great. I head over there now. Holly, you want to come? Actually, all this talk of security has me feeling a little nostalgic. Alana, mind if I check out your setup? Not at all. I'd love any tips from someone who used to work this festival, not to mention such a highly decorated detective. Well, you may be disappointed. Not a lot of crime in Port Caldwell. I think someone cut the line to sit on Santa's lap one year. That was about it. Okay, they're talking shop. Let's get out of here, George. I'll meet you after the DJ is squared away. Sounds good. They exit the coffee shop. Exterior, Port Caldwell Square, day. George and Bobby walk off in one direction, while we stay with Holly and Alana walking off in another. So, did you grow up here? Born and raised. But you're a detective in Seattle. That's gotta be a heck of a commute all the way to the 14th precinct. Yeah, it can be. Wait, how'd you know my precinct? What can I say? Bobby talks about you a lot. I think he's a big fan of yours. Aw, that works out. I'm a fan of his as well. But surely you guys hardly see each other with how far your job is and how much you work. Why not just be a cop here in Port Caldwell? Actually, I know the team here in Port Caldwell, and they're great. Chief Beebe even wrote me a recommendation for the 14th Precinct. But being a small-town cop was never what I was cut out for. Well, someone's got to look out for the little guy. Yeah, and there's little guys in every city. Sometimes in a big city, they need someone looking out for them even more. So I guess this little operation seems pretty quaint to you. Actually, I'm kind of surprised. All these security booths all over the festival. I mean, I get that McCringleberry is a celebrity, but this seems like a bit much. Back in my day, we just had a sad little pop-up tent and a table. Well, most people love McCringleberry, especially around here. But fans of San Francisco? Not so much. What do they have against him? That was the team they were playing when he made that 61-yard field goal. And some people take their sports way too seriously. You're kidding me. Threats? Over one kick? You wouldn't believe how many. Nothing too serious has come of it, but you can't be too careful. But surely a couple bodyguards would do the trick. You know these celebrity types. They don't quite live in reality. He wants us to have people all through the festival, scanning the crowd for possible threats. It's a lot of manpower. Probably not how your team was hoping they would spend Christmas Eve. Probably not. But if a big shot celebrity is going to make you work on Christmas Eve, there are worse places in the Port Caldwell Christmas Festival. Alana's phone rings. Sorry, duty calls. By all means. Alana walks away while Holly looks around the festival grounds. Hello? Yeah, we're going to go ahead and put the star on now. Have Victor and Pavel meet me at the tree. Holly stands still, gazing at a group of people adjusting a sign that says Christmas Eve Festival with special guest for the tree lighting. Holly pulls out her phone, dials, and puts it to her ear. Tracy? It's Holly again. Can I have you do me another favor? 
can you look for anyone of Russian descent that lost a lot of money betting on the Seattle-San Francisco playoff game last year? Interior, mystery location, day. We are in a tiny, dark room, and the camera pans down to some sort of device with wires and chemicals. Then, we see a digital timer that is slowly counting down. End Act 2. Cut to commercial. The official Can't Wait for Christmas podcast store is open 365 days a year for you to get your official podcast gear or all sorts of customizable Christmas-themed shirts, face masks, decorations, and more. You can find it all at Zazzle.com slash Can't Wait for Christmas. And now, back to our feature presentation. Exterior, Port Caldwell Square Day. The camera pans down to the Port Caldwell Christmas Festival. A crowd has gathered in front of the entrance. There's a big red and white striped Christmas ribbon stretched across the entrance, and Bobby, George, and Mayor DeLeo stand in front of the ribbon with a giant pair of scissors. The camera pans over to TV news reporter Gern. Good morning, everyone. It's Christmas Eve, so you know what that means. It's time for the annual Port Caldwell Christmas Festival. We are just moments away from the start of this beloved Christmas tradition, as Mayor Candace DeLeo is about to cut the ribbon. With head of festival George Walker and the festival's main sponsor and owner of the Highmarks Tavern, Bobby McTiernan. It looks like they're ready to start now. <clears throat> the Port Caldwell Christmas Festival has been a tradition for as long as I can remember. It celebrates the best in us, our families, of this wonderful Christmas season and of all of Port Caldwell. And it seems like it just gets better and more magical every year. I think you'll find this year will be no exception, thanks to the hard work of George here. Thank you, Mayor DeLeo. But I'll be honest, I've had it pretty easy this year, thanks to the young man right here. He's been more than just the festival's main sponsor. He's been instrumental in planning everything you'll see and hear today, including our special guest for the tree lighting this evening which you won't want to miss. So be sure to meet us at the tree at 5 p.m. tonight. Now, I'll turn it over to the man who makes the holidays happen, Bobby. Thank you, George. It's been my pleasure to be part of the festival this year, but these folks don't want to hear us yapping. They want to get inside and experience the magic of Christmas for themselves. So what do you say we cut this ribbon? Ready? One, two, three. They cut the ribbon with the huge scissors. Welcome to the Port Caldwell Christmas Festival! The crowd rushes inside as the band starts to play. The camera cuts to the point of view of the news camera, filming Gern. And there it is! The festival is officially open! Get on down here for a day of food, music, crafts, games, and... Who could that mystery guest be for the tree light? We'll just have to wait and see. I'll be checking in all day, but now I'm going to throw it back to Jackson Shawl in the studio. From the Port Caldwell Christmas Festival, this is Gern Blanston, Channel 9 Action News. Cut back to the entrance where Mayor George and Bobby are standing to the side as the excited festival goers file in. Everything looks great this year, fellas. Thank you, Mayor. I'm pretty proud of what we put together this year. My only worry is how we're going to top it next year. Well, let's hold off worrying about next year. We're less than two minutes into this year's festival. Right you are, Bobby. Well, I'm sure you have a lot to do, so I'll leave you to it. And I'll go get some of Betty's hot cocoa. Actually, I'll join you. I want to make sure she's all set for the gingerbread house decorating contest. And I'm going to... Bobby is interrupted by his phone ringing. 
answer this call, apparently. Mayor and George walk away as Bobby puts his phone to his ear and a mysterious Russian voice crackles through the speaker. Hello, old friend. Congratulations. You have done your job so well. Exterior, festival marketplace, day. Holly is walking through the marketplace, checking out all the handcrafted decorations and gifts on display. Alana walks up beside her. Hey, Holly. Enjoying the festival? Hey, Alana. I am indeed. And yet, I get the sense you're miles away from here right now. That obvious? Either my security instincts or women's intuition. Take your pick. Yeah, I'm in the middle of a big case. Well, I was. What happened? Doesn't seem like you solved it. I got taken off the case. Put on a non-voluntary Christmas vacation. But I'm guessing you can't quite let it go. I just feel like I'm really close to the answer. I just don't know what it is. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring my cop drama to this lovely day. Don't worry. I get it. I know what it's like when you care so much about something and it's taken from you. It can drive you nuts. If you need someone to bounce things off of for the case... I appreciate it. But I don't think I should really talk about it. Besides, shouldn't you be busy with tonight's mystery guest? Nah, he's holed up in his hotel room. All day? Yep, doesn't want to ruin the surprise. He'll stay in his room until it's time for the tree lighting tonight. Then I'll escort him over to the tree. So it looks like we both have some free time today. Yeah, unless there's some sort of security threat here, which I'm told is highly unlikely. I don't know. Mrs. Powell and Mrs. Ellis might come to blows over the ornament they're both trying to buy. Need me to call my captain and get the SWAT down here? I don't know. Would they get here in time? Those two old ladies will probably tear down half the festival in seconds. Guess it's up to you then. Can I call on you for backup? Oh, sorry. I'm on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Want to grab a frosty hot cocoa? Wait, is it frosty or is it hot? It's hot cocoa. But it's dialed up to 11. It's got whipped cream, sprinkles, a candy cane, and a snowman made out of marshmallows. I see. Hence the name, Frosty. Exactly. Wait, how do you not know about this? Didn't you grow up here? Haven't you been attending this festival every year? Not since high school. But this town is famous for this event. Every Christmas, people come from all over just to be here. Yeah, I just never really have time for Christmas. I've always been working. Well, word of advice. You gotta take some time and enjoy your life outside your job. Because one day that job will be over. And will you look back and say, oh, I wish I'd worked more. Or, oh, I wish I'd had a few more Frosty Hot Cocos at the Christmas festival. Well, you've definitely sold me on a Frosty Hot Cocoa. Let's go. Exterior, Christmas Marketplace, day. George is walking through the crowd looking around feverishly. He sees Holly and Alana and rushes over to them. Holly, Alana, do you know where Bobby is? Wasn't he with you? No, we split up after the ribbon cutting and I haven't seen him since. Don't know what we're going to do. The gingerbread house decorating contest is supposed to start soon. Betty has the coffee shop all set up. Take it easy, George. I'll call him now. Holly puts the phone to her ear. I already tried. It just goes straight to voicemail. Betty's going to be so disappointed. I, I mean, the, the contestants. Well, everyone. George, you've been the head of festival for years. Surely you can handle the gingerbread house contest. Oh, I just want it to go perfectly. I don't want to let Betty down. I mean, I mean the, the festival. I, I, I don't want to let the festival down. You'll be just fine, George. Holly takes the phone from her ear. It went straight to voicemail for me, too. Maybe he's in the festival office. That place is a cell phone dead zone. I can go see if he's over there. No, I'll go. I think George may need a security escort back to Betty's. It's really no problem. I can just run right over. Don't worry about it. 
I can get Bobby, and if any security issues like Mrs. Powell and Mrs. Ellis come up, you'll be right there to handle them. See you in a bit. Holly jogs off in the direction of the festival office. Wait, what's wrong with Mrs. Powell and Mrs. Ellis? Exterior, Port Caldwell Streets, day. As Holly is walking through the streets, her phone rings. Without looking, she puts it to her ear. Bobby? No, it's me, Tracy. Oh, hey! I don't suppose you're calling with an early Christmas present for me. Interior, police station, day. Tracy is at her desk, on the phone. As the conversation continues, the camera cuts back and forth between the two locations. Sadly, it's more like two lumps of coal. Darn. And I thought I'd be on the good list this year. Speaking of lists, I did what you said and looked into people of Russian descent who lost money betting on that Seattle-San Francisco game. And this list has got to be as long as Santa's naughty list. No joke. There's this guy in Tacoma who had to sell his house, a lady in Bremerton who had to sell thousands of dollars worth of diamond jewelry. Oh, and you know that restaurant a couple blocks from the station that closed a few months back? Apparently, the owner had bet against Seattle and lost big time. And honestly, that's just scratching the surface. <sighs> I thought I was on to something. You may have been, but it's like looking for a needle in a very large haystack. Were you able to get a hold of the translation of that Russian note we found in Tirapelli's? Yeah, that's the other lump of coal. FBI wouldn't share the info, huh? Oh no, I got it. But it's just a bunch of numbers. 8661122417000. It, it just goes on and on. They have a code breaker working on it, but they haven't gotten anywhere. Can you email it to me? Oh, so you're a code cracker now? I'm not working. I've got to fill my time somehow, right? Aren't you literally in the middle of a huge Christmas festival? Why not just fill your time with that? Yes, yes, I know. I should be filled with the Christmas spirit. But the one thing I wanted Santa to bring me was a lead that would crack this case. I mean, I can see if I can get the FBI guys to let me have a crack at Terrapelli before they move him into federal custody. No, no, no. You should take your own advice and enjoy some Christmas. You've already gone above and beyond for a case that's not even ours anymore. Hey, that's what partners are for. Thanks, Tracy. You're the best partner a gal could ask for. I know. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Holly. Merry Christmas. Tracy hangs up the phone. She types something into her computer, and we see that she's sent Holly an email. She leaves the numbers up on the screen for a minute and stares at them. Then she rummages around a drawer in her desk, pulls out a book, and starts flipping through pages. Interior, festival security room, day. We see Ivan, a big, tough-looking guy dressed all in black, sitting in front of a bank of security monitors. One of them shows Holly approaching the building. A phone rings. Hello. The wife is coming to you. I see her now. Do not let her leave. Keep her in the building. Interior, festival office entrance, day. Holly enters. Bobby? Bobby? You in here? George is freaking out without you. Also, I think he might be sweet on Betty. Is that a new thing? The door makes a loud locking noise. Holly whips around. What the? She attempts to try the door, but it won't budge. She pulls out her cell phone. Right. No signal. Of course. She puts her phone away. Bobby? Are you in here? The door just locked behind me. The intercom crackles to life. Welcome to the Christmas party. So glad you could stop by. Hello? Who's there? See? It is like you do not even know me. You stopped chasing me, so I had to follow you home. 
It's you. You're the one Terrapelli was working for. That is right, Mrs. McTiernan. Or may I call you Holly? My father-in-law calls me Mrs. McTiernan. My friends call me Holly. You're neither dirtbag. You can call me detective. Not much of a detective. You could not even find me. I had to come find you. Keep talking. I'll come find you. It is not me you should be worried about finding. You should really worry about finding the bomb I have planted somewhere in this building. And you had better hurry, Mrs. McTurner. There is not much time left. The camera zooms in on Holly's face as her eyes blaze with anger. Interior, mystery location, day. We are in the same tiny dark room from the last break, and the digital timer continues counting down. (laughs) End Act 3. Cut to commercial. Are you on Facebook? Do you like Christmas? Do you wish your Facebook had more Christmas? You're in luck. You can like the official Can't Wait for Christmas podcast fan page at facebook.com slash can't wait for Christmas pod. And now, back to our feature presentation. Exterior, Betty's Coffee, Day. People are crowding around the coffee shop as Gern stands out in front giving another broadcast. The Ugly Sweater Contest was a huge success again this year. I'm joined now by this year's winners. We actually had a tie, so say hello to Kimberly and Brandon. Hello, everybody. Is this on TV? Yes, it is, Brandon. Do you want to tell us about your winning sweater? It has Christmas cats. Mom says if those two things people love, it's Christmas and cats. It appears your mom was right because you came in first place along with Kimberly here. Now, Kimberly, what was your secret to choosing the perfect ugly Christmas sweater? Sequins go in lots and lots of sequins. I can see that. You almost look like a festive disco ball. I don't know what that is. You can ask your grandparents. But I guess my real question is, were you worried that was too much sequins? There's no such thing, on. Fair enough. Well, congratulations. I know they are called ugly sweaters, but you both look adorable. Meowy Christmas. Good times. Plenty more festive fun going on here today at the Port Caldwell Christmas Festival. In fact, I'm right in front of Betty's Coffee, where the gingerbread decorating contest is set to get underway soon. I'll be checking in all day leading up to the tree lighting ceremony tonight with our special mystery celebrity guest. For Channel 9 Action News, I'm Gern Blanston. Interior, Betty's Coffee Shop, day. George is looking nervously out the window as Betty walks up behind him. George? Ah! Oh! Oh, sorry, Betty. You surprised me there. Sorry, George. I was just wondering if we were going to start the contest soon. Absolutely. Just waiting for Bobby. Oh? Where is Bobby? He went back to the festival office. Where's that? We set ourselves up in the old Rickman building this year. That sad old building downtown? I thought they were going to tear that thing down. They were. I convinced them to wait until January so we could use it as our base of operations for the festival this year. It's coming really handy. So when will Bobby be back? I'm not sure. I don't even know why he went over there. I hate to keep all these people waiting. Me too. I hope he gets back soon. Well, you could just get us started. Me? Now, George Walker, don't pretend like you haven't run this festival for years. Yes, but 
Bobby's been doing such a great job this year, and I wanted to make sure your contest, uh, the gingerbread house contest, is the best ever this year. Let me let you in on a little secret, George. You don't need Bobby for that. The two exchange a warm smile. You're the boss, Miss Official Judge. Let's get this started. George sees Alana walking in and putting her phone away. George walks over to her. Alana, was that Bobby? No, sorry. I was just checking up on our mystery guest. Well, we can't wait any longer. Can I get your help getting everyone set up at their stations? And, of course, escort our lovely judge to the judging table. Happy to help. I just hope Bobby and Holly get back before they miss everything. I wonder what's taking them so long. Interior. Festival office. Day. Holly is running down a hallway and ducks into an office. Victor, a tall, muscular Russian man, comes around the corner with a gun. There is no point in hiding, Detective. We've reactivated the building's security cameras. We can see everywhere you go. Victor puts his hand to his ear. Uh, Ivan, where did she go? She's through the door on your left. Victor starts to walk towards an office door. Your other left. Victor walks into the other office door and sees only a desk and some filing cabinets. Suddenly, a loud beeping catches his attention. He turns and fires his gun. He steps around the desk to see that he has just shot a cell phone that was sitting on the floor. Just as he realizes this, Holly jumps from behind the filing cabinet and knocks the gun out of Victor's hand. Holly goes to grab the gun, but Victor kicks her, knocking her to the floor behind the desk. Now Victor lunges for the gun, but Holly kicks the office chair from behind the desk straight into Victor, who is thrown into the wall. Holly scrambles to grab the gun. Victor throws the chair and pulls a knife from his boot. He starts towards Holly until she spins around with the gun leveled at Victor's head. Did you see that move on the security cameras, Boris? It's Victor. I don't care. You have maybe 60 seconds before Ivan comes storming in here. Then you have 59 seconds to tell me where the bomb is and where Bobby is. Bobby? Ha! None of this would be happening if it weren't for Bobby. Talk, Borscht Breath. How about I stab you instead? Victor starts towards Holly but freezes as Holly pulls the trigger. But nothing happens. Really? You wasted all your bullets shooting at my phone? Victor charges at Holly again. She dodges the knife, flips the gun around in her hand, and brings the butt of the gun smashing into Victor's face. Oh, Mother Russia! He crumbles to the ground. She starts to search his pockets when she hears footsteps coming down the hallway. Cut to Ivan running down the hall and entering the office. He finds Victor on the floor, but there's no sign of Holly. As he looks around confused, the camera pans up to the ceiling vent, and we see that it's slightly askew. Interior, Betty's Coffee Shop Day. Dozens of teams are at their stations, piled high with gingerbread, candy, and icing. Alana is walking from table to table, collecting people's sign-up sheets. George stands at the front of the room. All right, everyone. It is time to begin. Welcome to the Gingerbread House Contest. Before we get started, I just want to give a big thank you to Betty for letting us use her coffee shop for the contest this year, and for being our judge. Take a bow, Betty. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to seeing all the wonderful creations you'll be coming up with. Thank you, Betty. Now, here are the rules. You can only use the supplies you've been given. That way it's fair that everyone has the same amount of candy canes and gumdrops and all that good stuff. If we see a house that's made with peanut butter M&Ms all over the roof, you're disqualified and I'll eat your roof. (laughs) Also, Betty is giving extra points for creativity, so don't be afraid to think outside the box. But most importantly, have fun. You're building more than a gingerbread house here today. You're building memories. Before she passed a few years back, my wife and I would build gingerbread houses every year. And let me tell you, they were hideous. The walls would tip over, the roof would cave in, and they were usually a hot mess. 
but we had such fun putting them together. Years from now, I don't know if you'll remember if you came in first place or last place, but I know you'll remember the fun you had with your loved ones expressing the joy of Christmas in the perfect way. Through lots and lots of sugar. <laughs> okay, enough of my talking. Let the gingerbread house building begin! George walks over to Betty's judging table. That was lovely, George. Thank you, Betty. Alana walks up to the table. Here are all the contestants' entry forms. I sorted them by their table numbers. Thanks, Alana. Uh, any word from Bobby or Holly? Nope. Maybe I should go and find out what's keeping them. I don't know. Looks like you've got this handled on your own. See? I told you. My Christmas hero. Interior. Ventilation ducts of the festival office. Day. Holly is scooching through the cramped duct. Holly is muttering to herself. Take some days off. Help Bobby with the festival. I'm never listening to Captain Willis again. Okay, Holly, you're trapped in a building. There's a bomb in the building and Bobby's in the building. But you don't know where they are and you can't search without a bunch of Russian dudes right on your tail. So the only solution is find the room with the security cameras. Take out the Ruski who's playing lookout and use the cameras to find Bobby and the bomb. Unfortunately, there's no directory in this ventilation system. Very inconsiderate, if you ask me. Suddenly, the duck shifts and Holly crashes through the ceiling into an office below. <laughs> Interior. Festival office day. Holly lies on the floor for a moment. That's gonna mess my back up. Holly's eyes open <gasps> wide and she sits up. Back up? What was I thinking? I'll just call Chief Beebe. Oh, right. Bullwinkle's arch nemesis shot my phone. Wait, there's a landline on this desk. Holly goes to the desk, picks up the phone, puts it to her ear, but hears nothing. She clicks the hook switch a few times. Of course they cut the landline. This wasn't challenging enough already. Holly looks at the papers on the desk. Hey, this is Bobby's writing. This must be his desk. I wonder if he's got a layout of the building here. Holly searches through the various papers and sees a file marked Seattle. Seattle? Why would he need a file on Seattle for the Port Caldwell Christmas Festival? Holly opens the file. Her face goes from confused to shocked. What? Suddenly, Ivan bursts through the door. Ugh, how many of you are there? Ivan pulls out a gun and Holly ducks behind the desk. Ivan fires a few shots and Holly rolls to the side, knocking over a tiny trash can next to the desk. Ivan turns at hearing the noise, but before he can fire again, Holly whips the trash can at his face. Ooh. Ivan falls to the ground unconscious. Ooh. Holly runs over and grabs his gun. She begins going through his pockets. Come on, Yakov Smirnov. Give me some clues to where that bomb is. As Holly is searching Ivan, she sees all the trash that has been strewn on the floor, and one particular paper catches her eye. It's a partially crumpled paper with Russian writing on it. She picks it up, uncrumples it, and slowly stands up. You've got to be kidding me! Interior, Betty's Coffee Shop Day. All the stations have beautifully decorated gingerbread houses. George and Betty stand up from the judges' table. Attention, everyone. It's time to announce the winners. First, I have to say what a hard job this was. You all did a great job of finding Christmas with your creations. And with all the candy, icing, and Christmas cookies, this is sure to be the sweetest Christmas ever. But I had to pick the top three. So here they are. In third place, we have... Joan's Amazing Christmas Train. Talk about outside-of-the-box thinking. Who would have thought to make a gingerbread train instead of a house? All the details on here are just marvelous. Great job, Joan. And our second place winner is... Steve's lovely Christmas cottage. I thought this one was great, Betty. Just looks so cosy and festive. A great place for a good old-fashioned gingerbread romance. Oh, really? <clears throat> On to our first place winner. 
who is that, Betty? First place goes to Nikki's Christmas Land. A train was outside of the box, but this little gingerbread amusement park is outstanding. How did you make a carousel out of candy canes and gumdrops? You're like the gingerbread whisperer, Nikki. Congratulations to you all. You will each get a special card for a free warm drink every day this winter here at the coffee shop. And our first place winner will get a table at Cartwright's Restaurant for their legendary Christmas brunch tomorrow. So congratulations, Nikki. You and your family will be spending Christmas at Cartwright's. Congratulations to all our winners and a big thank you to all who entered. You've truly made this a Christmas to remember. Interior Festival Office Day. Holly sneaks through the halls looking for the security room. She moves to avoid the cameras as she goes swiftly down the halls. Finally, she sees a room with dozens of monitors and slips inside. She finds no one inside the room, so she sits down and begins scanning the monitors. Okay, if I was a crazy random Russian madman, where would I hide a bomb? Holly is so intently studying the monitors, she doesn't notice a shadowy figure is creeping in the doorway. Before she can react, the figure is behind her and places a gun to the back of her head. The camera pans up to reveal Bobby is the figure holding the gun. Didn't expect to see me, did ya? End Act 4. Cut to commercial. Do you like your Christmas 280 characters at a time? Then follow the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast on Twitter under the handle at ChristmasPod. And now, back to our feature presentation. Interior Festival Security Room Day. Holly sits at a bank of security monitors and Bobby stands behind her with a gun pointed at the back of her head. Get up. Nice and slow. Holly slowly starts to rise, then suddenly kicks the desk in front of her, sending her and her chair slamming into Bobby. The gun flies out of Bobby's hand as he stumbles back into the wall. Holly spins around, catches the gun in midair, and levels it at Bobby. Gotta say, this is not your best Christmas present, Bobby. Holly? What are you doing here? What am I doing here? What are you doing here? And why are you pointing guns at me? I didn't know that was you. And, in fairness, it was just one gun, not multiple guns. Does now seem like the time? I'm sorry. I'm a little freaked out here. This may be an average day for you, but this is a pretty crazy day for me. You've had a crazy day. I've been locked in a building, had to fight off a bunch of reject Bond villains, and then my husband pulls a gun on me. Okay. So we're having pretty similar days. Where's the bomb? Bomb? There's a bomb? Where? That's what I just asked you. How would I know? I just managed to escape a few minutes ago. Escape? So you're telling me that you're not a part of this? Part of this? Why would I be part of this? I'm asking myself the same thing. This seems like a pretty extreme reaction to me coming home late a few times. A few? Not the point, Bobby. You're right. I'm sorry. Again, pretty freaked out over here. Holly sighs, tucks the gun in her waistband, and reaches out a hand to help Bobby up. Let's start this over. How'd you end up in here? It all started right after we kicked off the festival. The screen ripples and dissolves to exterior Port Caldwell Square day. We see the scene from earlier where Bobby George and Mayor DeLeo have just cut the ribbon to open the festival. The excited festival goers file in while the mayor, George, and Bobby stand off to the side. Everything looks great this year, fellas. Thank you, Mayor. I'm pretty proud of what we've put together this year. My only worry is how we're going to top it next year. Well, let's hold off worrying about next year. 
We're less than two minutes into this year's festival. Right you are, Bobby. Well, I'm sure you have a lot to do, so I'll leave you to it. And I'll go get some of Betty's hot cocoa. Actually, I'll join you. I want to make sure she's all set for the gingerbread house decorating contest. And I'm going to... Bobby is interrupted by his phone ringing. Answer this call, apparently. Mayor and George walk away as Bobby puts his phone to his ear and a mysterious Russian voice crackles through the speaker. Hello, old friend. Congratulations. You have done your job so well. Uh, thanks? Pretty proud of this little festival you have put together, aren't you? I, I guess so. Soon. You will feel what it is like when something you care about so much is taken from you. Who is this? I am hurt, Bobby. Have you not received my letters? Are you saying you're the one who keeps sending those Russian notes to us? And you never write back. I don't speak Russian. Nobody in the office speaks Russian. (laughs) That is where you are wrong, Bobby. I speak Russian. And I am in your office right now. And if you value the safety of everyone at this festival, you had better get over here now. Come alone. Dasvidaniya. The screen ripples to exterior Port Caldwell Street's day. Bobby runs through the streets towards the office while he narrates the flashback. So I got over there as fast as I could. Interior, festival office, entrance, day. Bobby enters. His voice continues to narrate the scene. But when I got there, it seemed like the place was abandoned. A figure steps out from the shadows behind Bobby and conks him on the head. As he falls to the floor, the screen goes black. Fade in on interior, festival meeting room. Bobby is tied to a chair. He slowly wakes up. Next thing I knew, I was tied up in one of our meeting rooms. Fortunately... I learned from you how to stay cool in any situation. Bobby is freaking out in the chair. He's wiggling and straining against the ropes and tape. Then, I executed a cunning escape plan. The chair tips over and breaks, and Bobby is free. You freaked out, fell over, and the chair broke. (sighs) I freaked out, fell over, and the chair broke. Interior. Festival office day. Bobby walks down the hallway, looking around nervously. He steps back into a closet as he hears Victor's voice in front of him. There is no point in hiding, Detective. We've reactivated the building's security cameras. We can see everywhere you go. Bobby looks up at the security cameras, and present-day Bobby continues to narrate the scene. I knew if I wanted to get out of here, I had to stay out of range of the cameras. But I didn't know why he was calling me Detective. He was talking to me. Right. That makes way more sense. Anyway... I waited in the closet for a while until some other guy came. Ivan walks down the hall. And after a while, the other two of them walked back the other direction. Ivan helps a limping Victor back down the hall. After they pass, Bobby steps out of the closet. So I took my chance to get out of there. Bobby keeps his back flat against the wall as he inches down the hallway, keeping his eye on the security camera in the ceiling. He steps on a piece of broken glass that crunches loudly under his foot. He looks down the hall and leaps into the open door of a nearby office before Ivan and Victor poke their heads around the corner. They see nothing, turn to each other, shrug, and continue the way they were going. Inside the office, Bobby finds a gun on the floor and picks it up. The screen ripples again, and we dissolve back to interior festival office security room day. Bobby points to the gun in Holly's waistband. So I grabbed that and headed for the front door, but then it was locked. I decided to go over the security room to see if I could unlock it from here. Holly pulls the gun from her waistband and looks at it. Okay, see if you can unlock the doors. When you get out of here, get Chief BB to send the... 
Well, whatever the Port Caldwell equivalent of a bomb squad is. That doesn't sound good. Yeah, turns out your pen pal is the guy I've been hunting down for the past few weeks. He hired a guy to build him a bomb, and apparently that bomb is somewhere in this building. Wait, why wouldn't you tell Chief Beebe? I'm not leaving till I find that bomb. Then I'm staying with you. Bobby, don't be ridiculous. It's dangerous here. You're staying? It's my job. No, your job is a long ferry ride away, back in Seattle. You're staying because it's not you to give up. Because it's the right thing to do, and somebody's got to do it. Well, somebody doesn't have to do it alone. What's the point of having a husband if he won't help you find a bomb in a locked building on Christmas Eve? Bobby? Besides, this is going to be a great Christmas story we can tell for years. I don't know. Being trapped in a building with a bomb and a bunch of bad guys on Christmas Eve doesn't sound like a very Christmassy story to me. They both turn and literally wink at the camera. Then back to each other. Bobby, I... Before she can finish, Victor storms in the room, Ah! knocking Holly against the monitors, the gun falling to the floor. Bobby grabs Victor, but Victor flips him over and throws him to the ground. (laughs) Holly starts to lunge at Victor, but he picks up the gun from the floor. That's enough. Let's not make this messy. By all means, let's make this messy. Holly starts walking towards Victor. I'm warning you! Holly continues walking. Not one more step! Holly continues walking. Holly... What are you doing? You asked for it. Victor pulls the trigger, but nothing happens. Bet you wish you hadn't shot at my phone so many times now, huh, Boris? It's Vic! Before he can finish, Holly punches him in the face. He falls into the security monitors and is electrocuted. (laughs) Interior festival office hallways, day. Holly and Bobby are walking briskly down the hallway. As they talk, they are poking their heads in each doorway they pass and looking for the bomb. I can't believe you walked straight up to that guy when he had a gun on you. I knew he didn't have any bullets. How? The gun you found was the one he tried to use on me earlier. I already saw him waste all of his bullets. Remind me never to complain about how hard you work again. Why didn't you tell me about the Russian letters? I mean, Holly, you're pretty busy. I wasn't going to come to you with this. I'm sorry. I know I work too much. No, I don't mean it like that. I would never ask you to apologize for your job. I mean, yes, I get a little jealous sometimes, but I know how important what you do is. Moreover, I know you're great at it. Hence, we are freely walking around this building even after some goon jumped us. Still, maybe the captain is right. I could stand to have a little more balance in my life. Sneaking around the Christmas festival office is somehow the most Christmassy thing I've done this year. Well, when we get out of here, there's still some Christmas left. What I don't get is, why are these Russians targeting the Christmas festival? I think it might have something to do with McCringleberry. The notes started coming in when I started talking with him. Speaking of McCringleberry, when were you going to tell me that you guys bought a restaurant together? How do you know about that? I found the papers in your office. Well, I guess you can't expect a surprise a master detective. Buying a whole restaurant in Seattle right before Christmas is your idea of a surprise? Well, when you put it like that, it sounds irresponsible. But the Highmarks Tavern is doing great. I mean, good enough we were able to sponsor the festival this year. When I reached out to McCringleberry about doing the tree lighting, we got to talking about how he wanted to open a sports bar in Seattle so he could have something to do when his football days are over. So basically, he'll be the face of the place, which will be sure to bring in lots of business, and I'll run the business end since I know how to run a sports bar. Will you have time? I've got a great team at the Highmarks. They have pretty much been running things without me while I've been working on the festival. And they are aching to step up and do more. So I'll step back a bit and let them step up while I launch McCringleberries. Plus, I'll get to spend more time in Seattle. So I thought I'd get to see you more. The place we bought is just a couple blocks from the station. Wait a second. 
Is this the room you were tied up in? Holly and Bobby walk into the meeting room with a broken chair and ropes on the floor and a Christmas present sitting in the center of the conference table. Yep, this is the place. What's with the present? I don't know. Holly looks at the tag. It's for you, and it's from Alana. Speaking of Alana, with as much as we're paying her to provide security for the festival, I feel like her people should have caught this. Holly straightens up and her eyes widen. A series of flashbacks to previous scenes flash across the screen. I am in your office right now. Guess the North Pole got a little behind and had to punt this year. Bobby convinced Joe McCringleberry to come back to do our tree lighting. Some people take their sports way too seriously. McCringleberry punt. Everyone gets what's coming to them on Christmas Eve. You stop chasing me. So I had to follow you home. I know what it's like when you care so much about something and it's taken from you. You know that restaurant a couple blocks from the station that closed a few months back? It can drive you nuts. Apparently, the owner had bet against Seattle and lost big time. The place we bought is just a couple blocks from the station. It can drive you nuts. Soon, you will feel what it is like when something you care about so much is taken from you. Taken from you? Taken from you. Taken from you. Holly looks down at the present and then over at Bobby. Bobby, get down! Holly jumps towards Bobby and the screen cuts to black as we hear... Fade into exterior festival marketplace day. Alana looks at her watch and pulls out her phone. However, when she speaks, it's in the Russian voice we've been hearing. Phase one is complete. Commence phase two. End act five. Cut to commercial. Are you waiting for us to plug our Instagram page? Am I going to do it anyway? You bet I am. Can't wait for Christmas pod. Yes, our Facebook is can't wait for Christmas pod. And our Instagram is can't wait for Christmas pod. But our Twitter is just Christmas pod. The can't wait for Christmas podcast. Branding is clearly not our thing. And now you guessed it back to our feature presentation. Exterior, Port Caldwell, Main Square, day. A large marching band is getting into formation as George is giving them some last-minute words of encouragement. All right, you guys are looking great. Remember to keep your eyes on the shoes of the person in front of you. The float for the Christmas Queen will be right in front of you, and Santa's sleigh is right behind you. So you have to keep your pace steady. But most of all, have fun out there. It's going to be a great parade. Some snowflakes start to fall. <laughs> Don't worry, a little Christmas snow during the parade is good luck. I hope. Betty runs up to George. George, George, you have to see this. What's that, Betty? The festival is trending on Twitter right now. Really? Yes. I went to post a picture of the winning gingerbread house on the coffee shop's Twitter, and that's when I saw it. Thousands of tweets in the last hour. That's great. We're getting some publicity. I thought you'd like that. But who is Joe McCringleberry? Wait, what? Is he related to the McCringleberry family over on Garfield Street? Yes, he's their son and he's a professional football player. What made you ask about him? Exterior, Christmas Marketplace, day. Gern stands in front of the bustling Christmas Marketplace giving a news report straight into camera. We've got breaking news from the festival. It appears the identity of tonight's mystery tree lighting guest has been leaked online. The internet is abuzz with the news that pro football superstar Joe McCringleberry has returned to his hometown for tonight's ceremony. People here are also abuzz with excitement as the news has been spreading through the festival. Like this young man here. 
What's your name? I'm Jim Townsend from the 63rd Aerial Port Squadron. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. And second, are you a big Joe McCringleberry fan? I bet I am. Did you see that 61-yard field goal last year? McCringleberry rules! Interior, police station, day. There's a TV playing Gern's news report while Tracy sits typing at her computer. So, are you going to see him tonight at the tree lighting? You bet. I called all my buddies from the 63rd. Chad, Michael, and Murray are all on their way down here right now. There you have it. People are coming out in droves to see McCringleberry. It's definitely going to be packed tonight. So get on down here while you can. The tree lighting ceremony happens at 5 p.m. That's 1,700 hours for our military friends. Tracy looks up at the television and cocks an eyebrow. The captain walks up behind Tracy. Tracy, what are you still doing here? Uh, just trying to finish up something before I go home. When I made you Holly's partner, I hoped you'd make her less of a workaholic, not the other way around. I don't know what to tell you, Cap. You seem to hire a lot of workaholics. I gotta start putting that question on the application. So, what is it you're working on? You don't want to know. Don't tell me. The Tirapelli case? Uh... We handed that case over to the FBI and Homeland Security. Um... You've been talking to Holly about this case? Uh... What was the point of sending her on vacation? She wondered the same thing. I really thought she'd be knee-deep in the festival right now. Captain points to the TV. I'm here with Head of Festival Security, Alana Rikmanovich. What can you tell us about Joe McCringleberry's return to Port Caldwell? I can neither confirm or deny the rumors about Joe McCringleberry attending the festival tonight. Oh, hey, it's the lady who used to run that restaurant down the street. What? That Russian restaurant that closed a while back. I think she was the owner. Wonder how she got involved in providing security. I gotta call Holly. Exterior, festival office, day. The camera pans around the building, revealing a huge hole in the side of the building that's facing away from the festival. The camera zooms into that hole and transitions to... Interior, festival office meeting room, day. The room has been thoroughly destroyed. There are broken, charred pieces of office furniture strewn all around the room and a thin layer of smoke in the air. Against the wall is a very beat-up looking file cabinet that starts to move. It falls over to reveal that Holly and Bobby were behind it. They look mostly unharmed except for some mild scorch marks on their clothes and one or two tiny cuts on their faces. They dust themselves off and look around the room. You okay? I think so. But I've never really been blown up before. How am I supposed to feel? Not sure. That was a first for me, too. One thing's for sure. Alana is fired. I'd say trying to blow up your boss has got to be against the Christmas festival bylaws. Wait a minute. This isn't right. Really? I think I'm well within my rights to fire Alana for this. No, not that. Look around. Yeah, this office is trashed. The office is, but the building is still standing. Not for long. They're going to tear this place down right after the new year. But the amount of chemicals that Tirapoli stole should have made a way bigger explosion than this. There shouldn't have been anything left of this building for them to tear down in January. And you and I should be history. I guess we should be happy that Alana is bad at building bombs? Or there's a second bomb. I like my idea better. Come on, we have to get back to the festival and find Alana before something else blows up. Exterior, Port Caldwell Main Square, Day. The festival is packed with people. George and Betty make their way through the crowd to talk to Alana. Alana, there you are. I was doing an interview with the local news station. How did the internet find out that the Kringleberry was here? I have no idea, but clearly it's helping attendance. Helping? 
The festival is already over capacity. The parade is having to fight through crowds of people just to go down the street. What can we do about this? The genie is pretty much out of the bottle. Not much we can do about that. Is McCringleberry safe? Yeah, he's still back at his hotel room. Well, it's not going to take people long to figure out where he's staying. Yeah, it's not like we have a million hotels here in Port Caldwell. Well, I was going to go over there soon anyway. The tree lighting is coming up. I can just go over early. Good. I feel much safer knowing you're there with him. Of course. After all, McCringleberry is my primary mission. We'll manage the crowds here and try and get them into something resembling order before the tree light. Don't worry. Everything is going to work out the way it should. Alana heads off to the hotel. How exactly are we going to get this massive crowd under control? I have no idea. I wish Bobby was here. Maybe try a cell again? Exterior, Port Caldwell Street's day. Holly and Bobby are pushing through the crowd as the parade goes by. Bobby's phone rings. It's George. Bobby answers the phone. George, are you okay? Bobby? Where, where have you been? It's a long story. It's been a crazy day. It still is a crazy day. Somehow the internet got wind that McCringleberry is here. Now people are pouring into the festival. No wonder it's so crowded. We gotta get people out of here in case... Holly grabs the phone from Bobby. George, this is Holly. Where's Alana? She went to McCringleberry's hotel to make sure he's safe. Okay. Try to manage the crowds as best you can. We'll meet up with you soon. Holly hangs up and throws the phone back to Bobby. Why didn't you mention the bomb? Two reasons. One, we don't know where the bomb is at this point. Two, I'm pretty sure Alana leaked that McCringleberry was here so that we'd get this massive overcrowding. If we try to evacuate now, it'll just cause a panic, and in a mob this size, that could be even more dangerous than the bomb itself. So what should we do? We're going to find Alana, and she's going to tell us where the bomb is so we can defuse it. What if she doesn't tell us? Then Grandma won't be the only one run over by a reindeer this year. Interior, Captain's Office, Day. Tracy knocks on the Captain's door. Come on in. Tracy enters the office. Any luck getting a hold of Holly? (sighs) No, just keeps going to voicemail. But I'm pretty sure I know where the bomb is going to be. Great. Let's tell the FBI and they can handle it. I don't think there's enough time. What do you mean? Holly had me send her the translation of the Russian note we found at Tirapelli's. So my orders are useless around here. Yes, yes. Bad, Tracy. No presents for me this year. Whatever. The point is, I was looking at the numbers and I think I figured out what they mean. Oh, you're a code cracker now. You know what? I already used that line on Holly and you're making this take longer than it needs to. Okay. Please continue. Take a look at this first line. 8661122417000. They've been trying to run it through a cipher, but I think you have to break it down bit by bit. 86, or 86, as in to get rid of somebody. 61, or 61, like a 61 yard field goal. 1224, or 1224, or December 24th, today. And then 1700 or 1700 hours, 5 p.m., the exact time the tree lighting starts in Port Caldwell. Good lord, I think you're right. We've got to call the Port Caldwell Police Department. With all the craziness going on with McCringleberry at the festival, the lines are just jammed. We need to grab a car and get over there. If we leave right now... It's no use. Traffic is a mess getting into Port Caldwell. Even with sirens blaring, we'd never get through in time. Well, we can't just sit here. No, we can't, Detective. Grab your gear and meet me on the roof. Santa's not the only one taking to the sky tonight. Interior, McCringleberry's hotel room, day. Joe McCringleberry sits on his bed watching football. There's a knock at the door. 
Joe opens the door to find Alana. Hey, Alana. A little early, aren't you? Alana pulls out a gun and barges into the room. No, Joe. I'm right on time. Alana slams the door shut behind her. Interior, mystery location, day. We are once again in a tiny, dark space. The only thing visible is a device with wires and chemicals and a digital timer that is getting closer and closer to zero. End Act 6. Cut to commercial. Are you getting tired of these commercial interruptions? Do you think Tim planned this out poorly by hardwiring commercial breaks every 10 minutes or so? Be sure to send him an email and tell him what you think at christmas at tancast.com. Okay, now, back to our feature presentation. Interior, McCringleberry's hotel room day. Alana paces slowly around the room, pointing a gun at the stunned Joe McCringleberry. Whoa! What's with the gun, Alana? The gun is just to make sure I have your complete attention. Now, I know how much you love signing autographs for your fans, so you can sign this for me. Alana slaps a piece of paper down on the hotel desk. Joe reads it quickly. What is this? It's the deed to your ill-gotten restaurant, and you're going to sign it over to me. Why would I do that? Because you don't deserve it. Now sign it. This is crazy. Besides, I couldn't even sign over if I wanted to. I'm only part owner. Not anymore. Bobby got a little early Christmas present. A face full of explosives. There is a knock at the door. Joe, it's me, Bobby. I think you're in danger. You gotta open up. It's not possible. Holly crashes through the window, knocking Alana off her feet. Anything's possible at Christmas. Holly grabs Joe. Come on, we gotta get you out of here. Holly takes Joe to the hotel room door and opens it to find Bobby on the other side. Just as they are all about to leave, a bullet hits the doorframe just inches from Joe's head. They all turn to see Alana leveling a gun at them. Don't move, or I assure you the next shot won't miss. Exterior, Port Caldwell, Main Square, day. Hordes of people are crowded in the square. George and Betty are in the middle of the crowd, looking a bit lost. Can't believe how many people there are. I think the vendors are going to be overwhelmed if we don't do something. What can we do? Tell them to go home? They came to see McCringleberry do the tree lighting. Maybe we can go early? But it's not dark enough yet. The sun is just barely starting to set. What are we supposed to do with this mob until then? The children! Yes, I know you were looking forward to see the children perform tonight, but we've got bigger problems right now. No, George. The children are the solution to our problem. What do you mean? We get the kids up there, and it will give everyone something to focus on until the tree lighting. There is nothing as pure as a child's love for Christmas. If we put those kids on the stage, they will spread their joy through this whole unruly crowd. You think it'll work? I guarantee it. It's worth a shot. Come on! Betty takes George over to where Patrick, a six-year-old little boy, is standing. Hey, Patrick! Hi, Betty. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Listen, where's the rest of the children's choir? We're all in this area because the teacher said we might be asked to go on before the tree lighting. Can you gather everyone up? Because you are definitely going to go on before the tree lighting. Yay! <laughs> okay, run along. Patrick runs off to gather up the choir. You really think this will work? Trust me. Interior, McCringleberry's hotel room, day. Alana holds a gun on Holly, Bobby, and Joe. How did you survive the bomb at the festival office? Really? Big suspicious Christmas present in the middle of an otherwise empty room? Didn't think I'd piece that together? Can someone tell me what's going on? I'm taking back what's rightfully mine. Rightfully? 
There's nothing rightful about any of this. You see, Joe, Alana here used to own a restaurant, a little Russian place not too far from the 14th Precinct, called the Russian Kitchen. I think I went there once. Food was fine. Service was terrible. How dare you? Unfortunately, Alana here has a bit of a gambling problem, specifically sports gambling. More specifically, she has a bad habit of betting against her own home team. Seattle was not supposed to win that game. San Francisco was the better team all season. But then, one 61-yard field goal later, you were out quite a bit of money, weren't you, Alana? I lost everything because of him. Weird how it's his fault. Did he make you place that bet? Did he force you to bet more money than you could afford? But it gets worse. After you had to sell your restaurant, you got slapped with the ultimate insult. The guy who kicked the field goal that made you lose your bet bought the very restaurant you had to sell to pay off your debt. Whoa, what are the odds? Don't tell her. She might try and bet on those odds. Really, Bobby? Now? Sorry, it seemed like we could use a tension breaker. You insult me by slapping your filthy name on my life's work. Your life's work? Come on. I think I waited 45 minutes for a chicken Kiev. Enough! It's weird that it's called the Russian kitchen, because it seemed like everyone in that kitchen was taking their sweet time. So wait, we are doing jokes now? I said enough! I'm not surprised your restaurant failed. I'm warning you! How could you run a successful restaurant? You don't even know that when you hold people at gunpoint, you're supposed to make sure the safety's off. Alana looks at the safety on her gun, realizes it's not off, but it's too late. Holly takes advantage of her momentary loss of focus to tackle her to the ground, knocking the gun out of her hand. Bobby, get Joe out of here. Bobby and Joe run out of the hotel room as Holly and Alana fight. Where's the other bomb? You're barking off the wrong tree, detective. The two resume fighting. Just as it seems, Holly has the upper hand. Alana is able to reach the gun. Holly jumps into the bathroom just as Alana fires two shots that barely miss her. You have prevented nothing. Revenge will still be mine today. Alana pulls out her phone and speaks in the Russian voice. Bobby and Joe are exiting the hotel. Blockade the lobby. Do not let them escape. Wait. Why are you talking in that voice? I am hiding my identity. But I already know who you are. What? I mean, do your goons not know who you are? Of course they do. They are my family. We all used to work at the restaurant. Then why the stupid voice? I I do not have time for this. Exterior, Port Caldwell, Main Square, Sunset. George and Betty stand on the stage with Patrick, Quinn, Kimberly, Brandon, and the rest of the assembled children's choir. The large crowd is bustling through the square. Okay, kids, thanks for getting to the stage so quickly. Is it time for the tree lighting? Not quite yet. We're going to have to have you guys go on a little early. There's sure a lot of people out there. Don't be nervous. You'll be great. Do they even want to hear us right now? Of course they do, Quinn. The whole reason for this festival is to celebrate Christmas. You kids are the personification of the spirit of Christmas. You are exactly what this festival needs right now. In fact, Quinn, I'd like you to do a little something special before you start your first song. Betty gathers the children up in a huddle as George walks up to the microphone. Everyone, can I have your attention, please? The crowd ignores George. Hello, everyone. If if I could just have your attention for a moment. The crowd continues to ignore George. Betty steps up next to him. I got this. Betty gives a loud whistle, and the crowd instantly snaps to attention. Go ahead. By all means, you got their attention. Let them know why. Me? Absolutely. I know how much this means to you. You're the best one to get them excited about it. Uh, okay. Betty steps up to the mic. Hey, everyone. 
I, I know everyone is looking forward to the tree lighting, and that will be coming up very soon. But before that, we have a tradition here in Port Caldwell. Each year, the Rhododendron Elementary School Choir favors us with a performance of Christmas carols. I personally look forward to this every year, perhaps more than anything. If our hearts could make a noise at Christmas, they would sound like the happy voices of children. And to start things off, here's Quinn from Mr. Nordwick's fourth grade class to remind us all of the true meaning of Christmas. Quinn steps out from the choir, opens his Bible, and begins to read. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good world towards men. Merry Christmas, Port Codwell! George and Betty watch as the children sing and the crowd stops to enjoy. Eventually, the crowd joins in themselves. Betty and George look at each other and smile. George puts his arm around Betty and she rests her head on his shoulder as everyone sings. Exterior, outside the hotel, dusk. Elena security agents are circling the hotel looking somewhat confused. Do you have them? Negative. We haven't come out of the hotel. There's no sign of them down here. Exterior, hotel rooftop, dusk. Joe and Bobby are looking over the ledge at the swarm of Alana's goons below. Why did we come up to the roof? Look at all those guys down there. They're all working with Alana. So how are we going to get out of here? Don't worry. We made a call on our way up here. Interior, McCringleberry's hotel room, dusk. Alana is pacing the room while Holly crouches in the bathroom. Where are they? Hmm. Where could they be? All right. I've let you live long enough. You weren't even part of this. You shouldn't have gotten involved. Holly pops out of the bathroom, gun drawn on Alana. When you tried to kill my husband, you made me part of this. Please. You barely see each other. You clearly don't want to be married anymore. I'm practically doing you a favor. Is that what you think? I've spent more time with him than you have in the last few weeks. You and I are more alike than you think. My husband left me because I was spending so much time at the restaurant. These men don't know that our jobs are what we live for. No, Alana. Our jobs are what we do. Love is what we live for. If there's anything this insane Christmas Eve has shown me, it's how important love is. Maybe I don't spend as much time with my husband as I'd like, but the love is still there. He knows how important my job is to me, just like I know how important the sports bar is to him. The whole reason he's buying your old restaurant is so we can spend more time together. Sooner or later, you have to choose. Either the relationship 
or the job. If it's true love, they won't make you choose. Well, none of that matters because none of you are leaving this hotel alive. We'll see. The sound of a helicopter can be heard outside. Holly smiles. No! Alana starts to go for the door. Freeze! Alana pauses, looks at Holly, and continues to move towards the door. I'm warning you. This time, Alana smiles. That gun's not loaded, is it? I don't know. Have a look. Holly throws her empty gun at Alana and leaps out the window? (laughs) Fine. Jump to your death from a four-story window. What do I care? Alana runs out of the hotel room door. The camera pans across the hotel room to the window Holly jumped out of. Suddenly, her hand reaches up from below. Exterior, hotel roof, sunset. Bobby points to the helicopter coming towards them. That's our ride. Interior, helicopter cockpit, sunset. Tracy scans the rooftop while the captain flies. There's Bobby and McCringleberry. I'll have to set it down on the far end of the roof. Not enough room to land closer. I'll get the door. Exterior, hotel roof, sunset. The helicopter sets down on the far end of the roof. Tracy opens the door and motions to Bobby and Joe. Bud, go! That's our cue. Bobby and Joe run for the helicopter. Suddenly, Alana bursts through the door behind them, holding her gun. Not so fast. Bobby and Joe stop and put their hands up. Interior, helicopter cockpit, sunset. What's taking so long? I don't know. They just stopped running. Exterior, hotel roof, sunset. Alana... This is crazy. You haven't seen crazy yet. I think we've seen more than enough crazy for one Christmas. Holly appears in the doorway and tackles Alana to the ground. The gun flies out of her hand and they struggle to get it. Go now. Get out of here. I'll handle the mad Christmas bomber. Bobby and Joe run to the helicopter. Interior helicopter cockpit sunset. Tracy helps Joe and Bobby into the helicopter. Where's Holly? She's fighting with Alana. Exterior hotel roof sunset. Holly and Alana trade punches. Holly sees that the guys have gotten on the helicopter. She waves off Tracy. Go! Go! Interior helicopter cockpit sunset. Get us out of here, Cap. What about Holly? She said to go now. Hold on! Exterior hotel roof sunset. The helicopter flies off. No! It's over, Alana. Where's the other bomb? You'll find out soon enough. Alana lunges at Holly. Holly steps out of the way and Alana stumbles over the edge of the roof. She grabs the edge and is hanging precariously over the side. Holly reaches down. Give me your hand. Alana reaches up, but instead of grabbing Holly's hand, she grabs her leg and pulls it out from under her, knocking Holly off her feet. Now both women are hanging over the side. The wooden ledge begins to crack. What's wrong with you? Maybe I can't win, but you will still lose. Welcome to my world, detective. The ledge breaks away from under Alana's hands and she falls. Ah! Welcome to the Christmas party. So glad you could drop by. Holly starts to climb back onto the roof. I think I know where the bomb is, but I've got to get there before... The ledge begins to crack under Holly's hand. Uh Uh-oh. Interior, mystery location, sunset. Once again, we see the device with the wires and chemicals and a digital timer that is getting very close to zero. The camera pans out to reveal that the device is inside the Christmas tree topper on top of the tree in the Port Caldwell Town Square. End Act 3. Cut to commercial. Okay, I'm supposed to do one last commercial, but I already told you about the podcast. I already told you about our official store. I asked you to follow us on social media. I don't know what's left. Oh, subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. Okay, I swear, I'm done with commercials. Now, let's see how this thing ends. Back to our feature presentation. Exterior roof, sunset. 
Holly is hanging off the side of the building, but the wooden framework she's clinging to is slowly splintering and breaking apart. Holly, how do you get yourself in these situations? The sound of more cracking wood is heard, but soon drown out by an approaching helicopter. Holly turns to see Captain, Tracy, Bobby, and the Kringleberry flying over to her. As the helicopter gets close, Holly grabs onto the landing skids. Tracy opens the helicopter door and reaches out her hand. I got you, partner. Interior, helicopter cockpit, sunset. Tracy pulls Holly inside and shuts the door. Holly and Bobby hug, each relieved the other is okay. Then, Holly turns to Tracy and shakes her hand. Thanks, Tracy. I officially owe you one now. Don't mention it. Welcome aboard, detective. Is this your idea of time off for Christmas? What can I say? Crime fighting is the gift that keeps on giving. Where's Alana? We had a bit of a falling out, I'm afraid. Did she at least tell you where the bomb was? No, but I think I figured it out. Bobby, didn't you say Alana picked out the Christmas tree topper for the festival this year? Yeah. She said she got a special made in Seattle, I think. I think Tracy and I caught the guy who made it. Terrapelli. So that's what the electronics were for. Alana's plan was to kill Bobby, get McCringleberry to sign over the restaurant, then blow up McCringleberry at the tree lighting, along with everyone in the town square. What if we just don't press the button to light the tree? Won't that stop it from going off? No, I'm pretty sure it's on a timer. What makes you say that? I decoded the message we found at Terrapelli's, and it mentions 5 o'clock exactly. It's almost 5 o'clock now. Do you think we can clear the park in time? Well, not likely. Chief Phoebe and the Port Caldwell police have their hands full rounding up all of Alana's goons. Then it's up to us, yet again. Hey, Captain, get us over to the town square. Okay, but when this is over, we're going to have a serious discussion about ignoring orders. Exterior, Port Caldwell Main Square, night. The crowd applauds as the choir of children bows and leaves the stage. George and Betty guide the kids off stage. The camera pans down to Gurn giving a news report. The Rhododendron Elementary School Choir has just finished up a wonderful performance, and now this massive crowd is ready to see what they came for. Football superstar Joe McCringleberry and the lighting of the Port Caldwell Festival Christmas tree. The sound of a helicopter is heard above the noise of the crowd. Hang on a second. It looks like there's a police helicopter coming towards us. Yes, it looks like it's headed right this way, and judging from the reactions from the crowd, it seems like McCringleberry is on board. What an amazing entrance. You have to hand it to McCringleberry. Even when he's not on the football field, he knows how to drive the fans wild. The helicopter flies right up to the top of the tall tree, and the door opens, and Holly leans out. Okay, the helicopter is open, and... And I'm not sure who this young lady is, but she seems to be grabbing the tree topper. Holly grabs the tree topper, pulls it inside the helicopter, and closes the door. The helicopter flies off. Okay, I did not see that coming. The helicopter seems to be leaving, and the crowd here is following. I'm going to go with them and see what the Kringleberry has up his sleeve. This is Gert Blanston, back to you in the studio. The crowd starts moving in a mob towards the direction the helicopter flew off in. The camera cuts to George and Betty on the side of the stage, looking shocked. I don't suppose that was part of the plan. Why would Holly steal our treetopper just minutes before the tree lighting is supposed to start? What are we supposed to do now? I have an idea. Does that cherry picker over there still work? Sure. Start it up. I've just got to grab something. Betty runs off, leaving George looking confused. Then he sees what direction Betty is going, and it all clicks. He runs off to the cherry picker. Interior helicopter cockpit night. Holly and Tracy examine the treetopper, while Joe and Bobby look decidedly freaked out. It must be on a timer. It wasn't attached to anything. And you brought it inside with us? You saw that crowd down there. 
I had to get it away from all those people. But we should probably get this thing on the ground. Can you set us down outside the festival? Already on it. Exterior, just outside the festival, night. The helicopter lands and everyone gets out. Let's get this thing in the light. They bring the treetopper to the floodlight of the helicopter. Tracy and Holly examine it. Outside looks clean. I think it's safe to open it. Shouldn't we wait for the bomb squad or something? Come on, man. You grew up here. You know there's no bomb squad in Port Caldwell. Holly opens up the treetopper to find the device with wires and chemicals and a digital timer. I hate being right. There's no way we can defuse this before five o'clock. How bad is it? It looks like any attempt to disconnect the timer sends a charge through the compound. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess we don't want that? Basically, this big blob of putty is pretty harmless right now. It's like a big wad of Play-Doh. You can drop it, smash it, stab it, kick it. Nothing will happen, but as soon as it gets an electric charge, the chemical reaction will... Well, I'm sure you can figure that part out. Okay, it's getting down to crunch time. Options? There's just not enough time. There's no way to defuse this thing. Agreed. But if we leave it here in this field and just clear out, the damage should be pretty minimal. That's our best option? At this point, it's our least worst option. Okay, let's fire up the chopper. I don't think that's such a good idea. Why not? Look. They all turn to see the massive crowd heading their direction. We just can't catch a break this Christmas. Maybe we can divert them? A crowd that size and just the five of us? No chance. She's right. Maybe if we get in the helicopter and fly the opposite direction. No, they'll just start running over here faster as soon as they see us get into the helicopter. Well, we need to think of something fast. Holly looks around and sees the festival office building in the distance. I've got it. I'll run the bomb over to the festival office building. They won't follow me, and that building is due to be destroyed anyway. Absolutely not. Holly, no. There's not enough time for you to get over there and get clear. There's less than a minute until 5 o'clock. It's our best chance to save all these people. There's got to be a better way to get the bomb over there. Why can't you just throw it? Are you kidding? That building's got to be 61 yards away. Everyone stops as they all have the same thought. They look down at the bomb and notice that since it's been removed from the treetopper casing, it's shaped very much like a football. They all turn their heads to look at McCringleberry. No way. Joe, you've got to. You want me to kick a bomb 61 yards? That's crazy. Yes, Joe, it is crazy. It's perhaps the craziest thing in a day full of crazy things. But last year when you kicked that field goal, you saved the game. Now you can do more. You can save lives. You can save this town. You can save Christmas. You can do this, Joe. We're counting on you. Holly grabs the bomb and holds it on the ground like a football. Joe looks back at the crowd closing in, down at the bomb, and then at the building. His eyes narrow, and he takes a few steps back. Then he takes two long strides and kicks the bomb as hard as he can. They all watch the bomb fly through the air, heading towards the building. We see the timer counting down. Seven, six, five, four, three... The bomb crashes through a window in the building, and then the building erupts into a giant fireball. They all cheer, except for Bobby, who looks a little sad. Oh, I had a lot of important papers still in there. Holly grabs Bobby and gives him a big kiss. Actually, I'm pretty sure it's all in the cloud anyway. Holly and Bobby kiss again as we crossfade to exterior Port Caldwell Main Square night. The crowd has almost completely filled back in as Bobby and McCringleberry stand on stage. Sorry, everyone. Just a few more seconds. Bobby looks up. How's it going up there? Camera pans up to see George and the cherry picker placing an old antique treetopper on top of the tree. Done. Good thing we saved the old treetopper and had it on display at the festival. He gives a thumbs up to Bobby, then he gives a thumbs up to Betty in the cab of the cherry picker. She pulls some levers and George is lowered down. Okay, now that that's all fixed. Ahem. I give you 
the man you've come to see, Port Caldwell's hometown hero, Joe McPringleberry. The crowd goes wild with cheers. Thank you all so much for coming out and bearing with us tonight. I have to say, this is one Christmas I'll never forget. Camera cuts to the side of the stage where Holly, Tracy, and the captain stand watching the action. Police Chief Beebe walks up. Nice work today, Holly. Chief Beebe, thank you. Were you able to round up all of Alana's goons? Yep. We'll be turning them over to the FBI in the morning. Oh, did you hear that, Holly? She's letting the FBI do their job. Imagine that. It's like she respects the chain of command or something. If I'd respected the chain of command, this tree lighting would have been a tree exploding. If you get tired of disobeying his orders, you can always come and work for me and disobey mine. Thanks, Chief. But I was born to be a big city cop. Holly looks back at the stage just as Bobby turns and smiles at her. But if you ever need me, I'll always be here for you. Camera cuts back to the stage. Before we light the tree, I'd like to bring my lovely wife up on stage. Holly mimes, no. Give her a round of applause, everybody. Holly continues to try and wave Bobby off. (laughs) Might as well get up there, partner. Tracy shoves Holly towards the stage. I thought you were on my side. Holly, I'm on the side of love. And watching my partner get humiliated in front of a huge crowd. It's a (laughs) win-win. Holly joins Bobby on stage. Sorry, folks, but if you're lucky enough to have the love of your life with you for Christmas... You don't want to miss a single moment. All right, enough of this mushy stuff. Let's light this tree! The crowd cheers. Ready? Three, two, one. Joe presses a button and the tree lights up. Holly and Bobby look up at the gorgeous light display on the tree. It's beautiful. Bobby is now looking at Holly and not the tree. It certainly is. Glad to have you home for the holidays, babe. Think we can make it a tradition? I think we might be able to arrange that. But next year, let's not get a bomb for Christmas. Roll credits. A Bomb for Christmas was written, edited, and directed by Tim Babb. It was performed by Danelle Babb as Holly McTiernan, Brendan Sherb as Bobby McTiernan, Emily Sherb as Alana Rickmanovich, Jeffrey Cronin as Alana's Russian voice, Kristen Cronin as Tracy Chabert, Edward Frizzell as George, Trish Healy as Betty, Justin Dinger as Gern Blanston, John Rice as Larry Terrapelli, Penny Sherb as Kimberly, Griffin Sherb as Brandon, James Babb as Patrick, Michael Babb as Quinn. With special podcaster guest stars, Mike Westfall from the Advent Calendar House podcast as Captain Willis, Mignon Fogarty from the Grammar Girl Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing podcast as Mayor DeLeo, Andy the Christmas Ham from the Tancast podcast as Victor, with Noah from the Tancast podcast as Joe McCrinkleberry, Tim Babb from the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast as the narrator, and Kristen Nowicki from the Nostalgia podcast as Chief Beebe. Sound effects for A Bomb for Christmas were largely courtesy of freesound.org and were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Links to the sounds can be found in the show notes of this episode. Music for A Bomb for Christmas. The following songs were available for us to use in this production thanks to Kevin McLeod, and we would like to take some time to give him the proper credit he is due. Unholy Night and Take a Chance were edited from the versions that appear at incomptech.filmmusic.io and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Deck the Halls A, Chase, Wish Background, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, Fairy Tale Waltz, Jingle Bells Calm, Darkest Child, The Chamber, The House of Leaves, Hitman, Nerves, Angels We Have Heard Piano, Mighty and Meek, Action, 
Heartbreaking, Second Coming No Percussion, Oh Christmas Tree, and Deck the Halls B were from Incomptech.com and licensed under a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Links to all these Kevin McLeod songs may be found in the show notes of this episode, but the use of Mr. McLeod's music is not intended to imply his endorsement of this production. This made-for-podcast Christmas movie is a work of fiction. Any similarity to actual persons living or dead or actual events is purely coincidental. Copyright 2020 by the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. All rights reserved. post credit scene. Interior. Holly's living room night. The television is on playing a news report from Gurn. The camera pans out from the screen to reveal a dark living room. So that was a Christmas Port Caldwell will never forget. To recap, the old building and loan office lies in ruins tonight after a bombing was thwarted by a combined effort of local police and the Seattle Police Department. Holly enters. Bobby, you left the TV on! The apparent target of the bomb was... Holly turns off the television and sees a reflection of a man and woman behind her. The woman is wearing a red sweater, the man is wearing a green sweater, and a black beret. Holly whips around. Nice job out there tonight, detective. Your work has impressed a lot of important people. Who are you? I'm Candace. I'm Cameron. And we'd like to talk to you about the Christmas Initiative. Special appearance by Jacqueline Jacks Collier and Jax's boyfriend. The end.